Uh, Heavenly Father, just this picture of sitting at your feet right now, Lord God, just delighting in the presence of our Master. (laughs) Oh, Father, that you would have your way here this morning. Lord God, I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to be able to receive you uh, with clarity, Lord God. Um, Father, I just pray that you would have your way. Your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. We pray that in Jesus' name. So this morning, we're going to continue our study on the Beatitudes, which is Matthew 5. And specifically, we're going to be talking about uh, uh, verse 5. This is the third Beatitude. This is, uh, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now, we've already learned in the last few weeks this term blessed uh, means truly well off. It means uh, for whom everything is good. So this is a delightful thing. This is a really good thing. This is something we should all want. We all want to be blessed, right? The next word is the one that we're going to have a little bit of of challenge with. This word meek. In our current definition uh, with Webster's, it's this idea of being uh, weak or tame or lacking courage. Um, Oh, it's not up there. But I'm having a wonderful time looking at it in my computer. It's going. There it is. Um, so this, uh, um, this word means in our current definition, weak and tame or lacking courage, but not so in this application. The Greek word um, means power under control. Um, and in the case of the spirit-filled believer, as in this specific application, it means that he or she is under the control of God's spirit, right? Now... The biblical meekness is not weakness, but rather refers to the uh, exercising of God's strength under his control, uh, demonstrating power without undue harshness. So um, there is a little video clip that I want to show you that does a really good job showing what this is. Now... Um, this is, of all things, a Chinese insurance commercial. <laughs> you ask, how does he find these things? <laughs> so I like this clip because this is a really good example of what meekness actually looks like. Now you're going to see this individual. He lives in this community just like all the rest of us. He lives in this city, right? So it's busy there. Now, if you can imagine walking down the street on the sidewalk in the city, and there's a pipe overhead, and it's spewing out water occasionally. And so you walk under it just as the water drips down. So you can react a certain way. But I want you to see the way this individual reacts. In the course of our day, We see people that are struggling, right? Struggling in all kinds of different ways. And we can look at it and see it as part of the scenery 
not be concerned about it and go about our merry way, or we can look at the way this guy reacts to it. We see hunger all around us. Now, that's not necessarily our problem either. But I want you to see the way he reacts. And we have poverty all around us in really extreme ways. And sometimes we even get a little disgusted by the effects of, of what that entails. And we can react a certain way. But I want you to see the way this guy reacts. So we'll just go ahead and play. Okay. Um, so Precept Austin says this. From a practical standpoint, the individual who is pros uh, exhibits a freedom from malice or bitterness or any desire for uh, revenge. The only way, they say, to truly uh, define meekness is in the context of relationships. And you can see that in this, this video. Um, it refers to how we treat others. The gentle spirit should characterize our relationship with both man and God. And sometimes I think his creation, too. I love the piece about the plant there. Um, and gentleness and meekness also imply self-control. Now, Aristotle uh, explained it this way. He defined it as the mean between excessive anger and excessive angerness, uh, angerlessness. <laughs> if I could say, even say that word. It's kind of like the mean. It's right in between. It's the balance of those two things. It's being able to hold on to all that anger and all that energy and be able to, to uh, put it to good work, put it to the work that's intended, put it to the work of our Father, right? So meekness implies submission to God. It is not a passive submission that shrugs its shoulders and says, oh, well, uh, I can't do anything about it anyway, which certainly could have been how he could have responded to the poor lady who was trying to lift that, hairy, that heavy carriage over the curb, right? Um, and I think sometimes in a, a world where apathy seems to be a really big part of our, of our day, it's all too easy to just kind of look at the things that are going on around us uh, as if it's the scenery and not really be interactive in it. And I think God is calling us to something higher than that. Amen? So meekness is not cowardice, emotional flabbiness, lack of conviction, uh, complacency, or the willingness to have peace at any cost. Uh, neither does meekness suggest indecisiveness or wishy-washiness. Uh, so meekness is not shyness or withdrawn personality. Um, D. Martin Lloyd-Jones explains it this way. There are people who seem to be born naturally nice. That is not what the Lord says in Blessed Are the Meek. That is something purely biological, the kind of thing you get with animals. Uh, one dog is nicer than the other. One cat is nicer than the other. That is not meekness. Uh, so it does not mean to be naturally nice or easy to get along with, nor does it mean weakness in personality uh, or in, in character. It's not a trait as such, not in this context. So Jesus um, himself uh, identifies himself as gentle, which is another word for meek, 
and lowly in Matthew 11, 28 through 29. But in a true understanding of this word, uh, it's also consistent with his vigorous action um, as he deals um, with the cleansing of the temple in Matthew 21, verses 12 through 13. And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned tables and the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a house of of, uh, robbers. He was angry when he said that. He was flipping tables and chairs and stuff over. But he was also practicing meekness. Because the actions that he was taking, he was taking with the power of God for God, not for himself or his own selfish motivation. So uh, we even see um, meekness in the Old Testament. In Numbers 12.3, Moses is described as being the meekest man on earth. But he doesn't come across as somebody who was weak and didn't do anything or apathetic and didn't care about anything. He led, he led a nation. So um, power under God's control means two basic things. Refusal to inflate self and resistance to assert ourselves for self-gain. Paul captures the first of these really well in Romans 12.3 when he says, for by grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Um, As people who are meek, we see ourselves as servants of the master, Uh, but it does not mean that we should deny our strengths and abilities. When asked if he was the Messiah, Jesus replied this in Matthew 11, verses 4 through 6. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone uh, who takes no offense in me. He had neither an inflated self-image nor inferiority complex, uh, but a servant's heart. Um... The servant's heart is kind of the crux of meekness, I guess. Maybe that's the easiest way to say that. It's exemplified really well in Psalms 37, uh, verses 1 through 11. It reads, Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Uh, Be not envious of wrongdoers, uh, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord and trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light, and your justice as the noonday. Uh, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourselves over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil uh, devices. Refrain from anger, forsake wrath, fret not yourself. It tends only to evil. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you will look carefully in his place, 
he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. So true humility and gentleness is what we're talking about here. It's uh, tough to entrust all of our power, all of our gifting, all of our ability over to the Lord. Um, we're taught just about the opposite of every aspect of life around us. You know, uh, in the world, aggressiveness and self-promoting seem to be the name of the game. The people that make the name for themselves are the, way, are the people that push their way to the top at the expense of everybody else, right? We see that all the time. But that's not what God's talking about here. Um, by the way, these people don't really win much of anything anyway. They're often very, very lonely, even at the top, right? So in contrast, Jesus said that the meek will inherit the earth, uh, shall receive as their rightful possession from the Father the whole earth, renewed and transformed. In Romans 8, 20 through 21, it says this, For creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who was subject in, uh, who has subject, I'm sorry, subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Those who submit their power to God will inherit the perfect kingdom coming to earth. In this kingdom we receive by God's grace the good things the arrogant uh, fruitlessly strive for in their present uh, earth. The kingdom of heaven is... Uh, not a future reality only, but it's a here and now. Uh, even in a broken world, those who um, uh, recognize their true strengths and weaknesses can find peace with uh, living purposely, those who exercise power for God and others. This is the kingdom here and now. This is a community transformed and restored for God's purpose and God's intent. In um, Ephesians 4, 1 through 2, it says, I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. And in Colossians 3, 13, uh, it says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must uh, forgive. So um, we live in a community that's dynamic. There, there are things that are going on all around us. We happen to be going through um, something of a fairly stressful period of time right now. You know, the, the situation with homelessness. Uh, for the last 10 years, homelessness was going down. In this last year, it started to skyrocket back up. Now we've got a whole new um, genre of homelessness happening in the community. When we think in terms of the school system, we look around at what's going on in our schools. Um, you know, I said this once recently that we have four communities in our county 
where um, over 40% of the adults that are 25 years of age and older don't have a ninth grade education. In this day and age, really? <laughs> we have one of the highest uh, dropout rates. We have some real issues with suspensions and, and school disciplines. There's some really tough things, really tough dynamics going on in the school. Can the church be involved? Then when we think in terms of crime, crime has been trending down for the past 12 years. And now all of a sudden we're going through the first five months of this year and it's going way opposite, right? I mean, we've had how many shootings? Like nine? Year to date already? Uh, too many, thank you would be the right answer. We've had 22 convenience store break-ins year-to-date. And some of those people died in the process of that. Right? The last drive-by shooting was just a couple of blocks from where I live. Myself, my wife, my son-in-law, my daughter, my grandkids, they all go by that that exact place where that shooting took place literally every day. And what happened was this, this lady, not she wasn't affiliated with any gang, she was just driving her car down the street and somebody pulls up from behind her and starts shooting at her. Yikes! So that's the world that we live in. So we can decide that, oh well, this isn't something I can do anything about. Or we can believe God and believe that we have a voice and that power and the gifting that comes from the Holy Spirit within us can rise us up to do something about the things that are going on around us. Amen? That was kind of weak. Let me say that again. Amen? Amen. That's a little better. All right. So in homelessness, let's take a look at what God's doing. Because I believe God is doing something in a big and mighty way. I really do. In fact, I'm convinced of it. So we used to have this Evangelical Ministers Alliance. And we used to have, you know, these Christian churches. And they would come together. The pastors and lay people would come along. And they would talk with each other. And they were really, really good at talking. In fact, they talked a lot. <laughs> but it never kind of went much past the talking stage. Well, now God is calling the churches together. There's kind of this ecumenical movement in, in uh, the, the power of God that's very specific in this community. And now more Christian church pastors are meeting together than I've ever seen before. And they're meeting on a regular basis. And they're, beating on, they're meeting on the premise that they actually can work together and walk in obedience to what God's calling them to do, right? So let's just talk about it really quickly. Um, churches built Camp Hope, um, the encampment that's behind um, the old Kmart. Um, you know, we talked about this before, but it's been going on over a month now, and there's hardly any police calls. Contrast that with the encampment that took place last year right across the street from the police station. 
where there were over 340 police calls in a two-month period. Right? There's peace in that place because the presence of God is there. Amen? So um, is it a perfect environment? No. Is this a perfect environment? No. <laughs> but there's, there's definitely some really good things that are coming together. Churches are in the process of putting micro-housing on church property as a solution for homelessness. Now, we talked about this once before, too, but listen to this. The capital for that project has now been completely funded. It's a done deal. This is going to happen. There are four churches that are stepping forward and just waiting for the houses to be built. So this is happening here in this town. And I believe this is just a measure of watching God work. But it takes people who believe that God can do these things. It takes people who are willing to listen to the voice of God and say yes. Okay? In school partnerships, every school in Yakima, elementary, middle, and senior high school, has now been adopted by a church. That's the first time ever. Okay? So we've taken Davis High School, partly because we're a little crazy, but we'll just leave that alone. This, this is, this is a, a, a great project, and it's going to be a great opportunity. And for sure, this is going to be a great way for you to walk out meekness, because yes, you can be involved. Amen? So in the last couple of weeks, I had a chance to go back and revisit this um, ministry called Jubilee Reach. It is a, um, a ministry that is in Bellevue, Washington. It is intended to be a school ministry. And so it's, it's Christian. Um, and what they do is they hire operatives to be a part of the school staff Every school in Bellevue has one of these staff members working in it, and every high school has two people working in it. So for the last seven years, there's been a Christian presence in the Bellevue schools, every last one of them. And they have offices that are located in the administrative section of those schools, right alongside the, uh, the principals and the vice principals and the school counselors. Now you might ask, what difference does that make? Seven years. Listen to this. The lowest dropout rate in the state. Um, the highest academics, and they have almost eliminated school suspensions. And if you think the students are the only ones coming in and asking for prayer, guess again. Amen? Amen. Let's talk about crime in Yakima. This is the scary subject. It's also kind of the most complex because gangs are a really difficult thing to get our arms around. So this last Thursday, 25 pastors got together and we sat down for a couple of hours and we just flat out brainstormed. We asked for um, a resolution expert that was... Uh, highly experienced in violent crime to come to that meeting. 
and kind of brainstorm with us. And so what's been concluded in that is that gang activity in Yakima is primarily governed and managed from prison. And so a group of pastors and this arbitrator are going into the Walla Walla prison and they're going to start meeting with the gang leaders themselves. And we're going to try to draw a peace between the North and the South. The, the, um, the, the people that uh, see themselves as either red or blue. Right? Um, the other thing that's happening is the pastors are going to ask their, their churches, and they're all asking them this weekend, just like I am here right now, that we would begin this idea of prayer walking. And so we are designating a focus area around Miller Park, and we're asking our churches to, to follow us as pastors. And, and we're going to pray for the hardest-hit communities, the hardest-hit areas in our community. And we're going to be diligent to pray for them often. Um, there is an organization called YPAL in, in Miller Park. It's Youth Police Athletically. This is a, an organization that happens to be run by a Christian who used to work for us uh, here at Sunrise. And um, this individual uh, is uh, focused on um, extracurricular uh, school activity and sporting programs for these kids. And, you know, everything from boxing to basketball to soccer, all kinds of things, that to engage the kids in a, in a healthy, safe community solution. Um, there's going to be a lot of opportunity for mentoring there. This is another thing that we can get plugged into. Um, the last thing I want to talk about is mentoring at the Juvenile Justice Center. You may not have known this, but we've been mentoring at the Juvenile Justice Center for a while now, and we currently have three kids that are working here every day that started in the juvenile justice system and are getting mentored here every day. So this is another area that you have an opportunity to get plugged in. But you have to believe in the greatness of our God and that there is no constraint with him and that he is perfectly able to deal with this community. And he can call you by name. Are you listening? Are you listening?